You're listening to Firm Up, the fermented food podcast where we get together every week or generally get together every week. I know it's been over six months now, but uh, Firm Up is back. Um, as I told some of you, thank you for checking in and, and seeing how things were going. And uh, yes, the show is back. Um, I'm your host, Brandon. If you're just tuning in new, yeah, this is uh, the show where we get together and talk about anything and everything fermented. Um, and the we has kind of uh, changed. I have uh, here with me uh, Tara Witsit of Fermentation on Wheels. Welcome. You were guest back on episode 51 and now hosting. Yeah. So glad to be on the show with you. Yeah, it was uh, it was great uh, meeting you in person. I mean, we talked, I guess, how long ago did we talk? If episode 51, I'm not exactly sure when when that was. Oh, I think it was winter 2013-14. Yeah, 2014. Yeah, February February. Th- a third is when it got posted, uh, 2014. And then we ended up, uh, meeting up here in Wisconsin, um, when you were passing through on your adventure. So, um, and then we got together talking and it was like, Hey, would you, would you like to, you know, like help make sure this podcast, uh, continues. And so you were very, um, very kind to, uh, give up some time to, to do this. So I'm super excited to talk about, uh, fermentation on wheels and then just fermentation in general with you. Yeah, I'm excited too. I'm glad to be a part of firm up. It's a show I look forward to. So, yeah. I know. And, and I, I even thought sometimes as you were driving uh, around and, and traveling that I was like, is this a really bad time? Like, I, I'm assuming you, you listen to the show somewhat regularly and then I drop out for like six months. Like, <laughs> driving seems like a perfect time to be like catching up on podcasts. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't get to listen to too much while I drive just because my engine is so loud, but... Oh. I definitely do a lot of podcasting and my, you know, my, my late nights fermenting on the bus. I do, um, I don't have super reliable internet all the time, but, um, I do a lot of downloading when I do. And then, and then I get to kind of sit down and I just relax and listen. So yeah, this has always been a a podcast I enjoy naturally. So if you aren't familiar with fermentation on wheels, go back and listen to episode 51 or look at the show notes and, and read up on it. We're going to just jump in assuming that uh, you regular listeners are are already familiar with fermentation on wheels. Um, and if you're not, um, definitely look at some of that. But you were on the West Coast when we spoke. I was actually in Texas. Oh, Texas. That's right. Okay. Yeah, I was I was staying with family. And that was a really interesting time in my journey because it was right around the time I was really getting established as an educator. Uh, so I hadn't had a lot of workshops up to that point. And then I think it was kind of going into New Orleans where things really started to open up. And I I was doing like three to five events a week. I started working with kids and, uh, you know, just toured the South and the South was very enthusiastic about my work and fermentation and uh, moved along to uh, kind of Appalachia area. I had Austin Durant of Fermenters Club join me for a week, which was really fun. We visited Sander Katz and then... um, kind of made my way up the coast via Virginia. And uh, yeah, then I was in the Northeast for a good month, month and a half in New England all last summer. I can't believe that's already been a year ago. Yeah, it's been it's been really busy since the South, actually, teaching wise. And I I did have a hiatus in New York City 
through the super cold months since my bus isn't, uh, well, it's generally not safe to drive a 40 foot bus and, and super snow weather. And I wanted to do the Midwest properly and really cover a lot of territories. So I, uh, I hunkered down until March and then in March, I, I embarked on my Midwest journey and yeah, that's, that's been most of this year traveling through the Midwest. And then of course I, I got to meet up with you in Wisconsin in July. Was that just, yeah, it was just July. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and this is, this is something I, I, I want to emphasize because I think it's awesome. Um, how many workshops you've been doing. Like when we first talked, you really, like you, like you were saying, you were getting used to being an educator or whatnot. Do you know roughly how many workshops you've done now? Yeah, it's, you know, it's like 102. I, I announced my hundredth workshop in, I think it was Prescott, Wisconsin. So I think I'm at 104. <laughs> She's really wild, really wild to think about. Have you changed over that time? I mean, have you found like great secrets to to presenting fermentation to people now that it was different than before? Yeah, you know, I've learned a lot. I actually, I used to kind of wing my workshops. I, I, I didn't have this like pre-planned, like this is how it's going to go down. It was always just kind of, all right, I'm going to talk about fermentation, how amazing it is and how you do it. And uh, all my workshops were hands-on, so it was really easy to kind of catch that flow. And now that my workshops are a lot larger, I don't, I'm not able to do full hands-on workshops. So I do demos and I have to have a, you know, I have to have a plan of what exactly I'm going to say while I'm chopping because, you know, when you're demoing, it kind of mixes everything up and you have to make sure you're keeping the audience engaged. So now I'm really, you know, I have these like basic things that I always cover. Um, it's, it's much more laid out than than it was before. And I mean, of course, I've also learned a lot more about fermentation. I feel especially like vegetable fermentation. Um, I can cover it very thoroughly now in a short amount of time. And um, I get a lot more, I get a lot less questions after my workshops now. Whereas when I first started out, there were always a lot of questions. And I'm always like, Wow, really? No one has questions. Was it like that thorough? And people are like, "Yeah, that was pretty thorough." Like, I think <laughs> I think you said like everything you could possibly say about fermentation in this hour and a half. I'm like, wow, that's that's great. That's something to to feel good about. So you're getting good response from your workshops. Yeah, I'm getting really good response. It's just you know, it's gotten better and better. I feel a lot more confident in my work, and I can. I can handle much larger crowds now. I'm, I've always been kind of an introvert, and this project has forced me to go out in the world and be a little louder. And I've, I've gotten, I've gotten pretty good at it, which you know I always surprise myself on this trip. So it's it's a great thing. Well, let's talk a little bit more since it's uh, the Midwest is still pretty fresh, and that's where you know we met up and different stuff. Like, how was the Midwest, and and maybe how was it different than the the East Coast where you were? Before that, the Midwest has a lot of corn, a lot of soy, <laughs> a lot of sugar beets. Um, that that is like the extreme 
the most extreme difference just as far as like the scenery goes, um, mm -hmm. which I always knew, but experiencing it is this whole other thing because, you know, it was like thousands of miles. My route was Ohio to Michigan and then down through Indiana and Southern Illinois, Missouri, Missouri is more like heartland, I guess, but, but still a lot of corn and soy and, and Iowa, which of course, lots of industrial agriculture there and back to Illinois, Wisconsin. And yeah, it just made me realize like how much industrial agriculture, it, how much it's like taken over the farming sector. I mean, I like, there's just too much corn, more corn than than we should be producing. We're we're eating way more corn than we should be eating. So that was kind of like that was kind of a hard realization to like be in the middle of that for you know nearly six months. Yeah, I, I guess I forget how much that's like like a, a can be a realization for someone that hasn't grown up in uh, this. I mean, having grown up in Iowa and now living in Wisconsin. Um, uh, you know, like it was kind of nice to move a little bit farther north. So there wasn't as, as much corn everywhere, but yeah, that's just like a common thing is that there are all these fields of corn and driving anywhere is going to be endless, boring fields of corn. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, was, that's... which was nice when you made it up uh, towards uh, where I'm at and then over towards Viroqua though. Right. Because I'm assuming you saw fewer cornfields. Yeah, there were definitely fewer cornfields. Um, Viroqua, the driftless region. I mean, I'd say even uh, getting getting into Wisconsin, it's a little less corny. Haha. -ha. And then, uh, <laughs> right, Madison was wonderful. Uh, very, very good cooperative scene there. Really good food co-op, bread co-op. Um, and just, just like a really good community-driven space. Like you could really feel the good, positive energy there, especially around food and foraging. Um, I, of course, enjoyed visiting you and tasting your different yogurt strains. That was super fun. And yeah, in the Driftless region in Viroqua, I spent a lot of time with a business called Physiology Foods. And uh, Physiology Foods is run by Faith Anniker, and her, her daughters help her, uh, Maya and Isis. And yeah, they're actually very focused on, I mean, of course, fermentation, probiotic health, like, you know, bettering, bettering people's health. But also Faith is uh, very interested in herbalism. I mean, she's definitely an herbalist. She's studied herbs for most of her life. And so I was introduced to a lot of the flora and the region of the Driftless, which is a very diverse region because it's, it's actually one spot in the U.S. that was not... Uh, covered by glaciers during the last ice age. So um, the land is the land is really fascinating and has like this deep rooted feel to it. Um, and it's very hilly. It's very unlike a lot of places you'll you'll go in, in the US. It's kind of this sweet little uh, haven of of nature. And so I got to learn a lot about the flora there and 
she was doing a lot of interesting ferments with with the roots of plants. So she was fermenting burdock root, which was really delicious. And I guess she had sent the burdock roof, uh, burdock roof. She had sent the burdock root to be tested for probiotic content, and it was like, you know, just out like above the range of any normal ferment as far as probiotic content is concerned, like the the number of, of bacteria strains that were present in burdock roots. So it was really interesting to see her work with these, you know, very powerful medicinals in fermentation. And does she sell, sell those um, specific ones as well? So she does them seasonally and she... She does sell them, but she doesn't really advertise them as much. But like, if you were to approach her and say, "Hey, um, I I know you ferment burdock root, and I'd like to buy a special batch," she'd be happy to sell them. So yeah, but I know she's also pretty locally based, so I don't know if she would be willing to ship burdock root. But I also know she's expanding further out within Wisconsin rather than just in the Driftless region. So she's someone to check out, and I definitely recommend you uh, you try out her burdock route if you go to the Driftless region anytime soon or if you just want to email her. She's really great. Yeah, I've seen some of her her normal staples like the sauerkrauts and fermented vegetables. I haven't seen the burdock root, so I wonder. You know, I'm I'm just curious, like how how marketable that is as too, because it sounds uh, sounds great. Um, and I really like the incorporation of her uh, her experience uh, and and knowledge and in incorporating that and mixing that with fermentation. It's it's really cool, and yeah, I know she doesn't do it commercially. They're just they're small batches, so. With uh, with thinking about the the Midwest too, did you notice anything different in regard to what people were interested in or what they already had knowledge of in regard to fermentation? I mean, were people more so or less so familiar with uh, f- fermenting vegetables or um, or kombucha or anything else um, than other regions? I mean, do some regions see more with fermentation than others? Yeah, I would say there's there's a little less familiarity in the Midwest than some regions I've, I've been to. I mean, especially uh, New England, for example, they have a pretty rich history of, of fermenters, given they have some older fermentation companies like Real Pickles, for example. Um, they've been fermenting vegetables for, I guess, decades. And uh, South River Miso Company is another fermentation company in New England that that's been around for a long time. And I, I feel like a lot of people are very hip and savvy to fermentation in that region. Um, in the South, people are very interested in fermentation. And I think uh, constantly just learning more ways to be more self-sufficient because it's a very kind of independent uh DIY type place, which I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect in the South, but I, I can see, you know, people are really wanting to like live off the land. I mean, there's a lot of good land in the South and people are, are, are really starting to bring back organic farming and focus on health because, you know, there have been quite a few like places in the South where there have been quite, quite a few, well, there are definitely widespread health issues in the South, especially dealing with like diabetes, obesity, 
And as you know, fermented foods can uh, help heal and sometimes reverse the side effects of, of you know, this this uh, dependency on, on consumption of more chemical-based foods. So, yeah, that's been... I feel like fermentation is having this great revival in the South. Um, and, yeah, in, in the Northeast, I'd say people are still learning a lot, but I think I think right now they're having a kind of fermentation heyday. I mean, when I was there... Um, I really got kind of well known for my for my work. Um, it was you know it was really wild. I I was uh, in the New York Times and Edible Brooklyn and all this stuff that was kind of like dream come true type scenario, you know. And um, people really embraced me and appreciate my appreciated my work. So. Um, the Northeast is definitely having a kind of explosion of fermentation interest in general, like food interest too, just interest in, you know, going back to, to good real food that is, that is grown in a way that uh, is, is more in tune with, with the, the natural life cycles of, of nature and the earth. So uh, fermentation is of course intertwined with that. In the Midwest, I, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think there's a little less familiarity with fermentation. People are still very interested. Um, I'd say it's definitely less, there's a little less enthusiasm than other parts of the country. I think it's hard because there is this uh, really intense, uh, this really intense history and, and still like growth of industrial agriculture in the Midwest. And so that's really something that is, I mean, it, it feels irreversible just like driving through and seeing how much of it there is and, and realizing that is how the region sustains itself. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, economically, that's, that's how the region is, is thriving. So, you know, how do you, how do you step back from that? Like, how do you begin even? It's, it's a really hard question. And, you know, something that, that I think is important, not just for Midwesterners, but for the entire United States, because, you know, we're depending a lot of people and their current diets are depending on, on the growth of those foods in the Midwest to, I mean, that's how we're sustaining them, right? That's how we're sustaining that that economy. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's it does seem like a, a huge challenge, and and that's why I think projects like yours are are so beneficial because it's it's not so much about um, the fermentation aspect of it is great, but it's it's not just about fermentation. It's about like connecting with food in a different way. And I mean, there's there's no real way to like connect at least I haven't found a way to connect with industrialized food. It just doesn't have that like human touch. So like if, yeah. if our person's trying to figure out and connect with food, it just seems that uh, inevitably it's going to lead them down different pathways than the mainstream food sources that we have. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you know, I, I can just hope that, I mean, I guess you feel a little lost when you're like in corn country for so long, but, um, a lot of people came out to my workshops, which is great. 
and maybe I, I didn't feel it then in that moment. And, uh, but you know, maybe in a few months and I think even now I'm, I'm starting to feel like, Hey, I'm, I did something for some people in the Midwest and I'm sure they're starting to question like, you know, well, ask more questions about, about the state of their, of their farming and their, you know, that, that it's like not great to be surrounded by corn and to try and, and make change with that. Um, but yeah, it's definitely going to take a lot of people with inspiring projects doing, you know, trying to reverse this. We didn't even get a chance to really get into like where you're, you're going, but we should probably start to wrap up for today. You went from Midwest through, it looks like you hit a few um, workshops and things in Montana. Was that about it until you jumped over to uh, Washington? I kind of flew through Montana. My, my last more official workshop was in Fargo. Uh, and Fargo was really fun. And, and I, you know, I, I had a, a bit of a hard time connecting with people between Fargo and Seattle. And I got the homesick bug and I, I said, you know, I just, I need to get close to the Pacific. I need to be, I need to, I need to get over to the ocean and see family that I haven't seen in years. So, um, yeah, I, I drove from Fargo to Seattle. Um, but I did stop in Billings and Missoula and I, I did two pop-up workshops. So when I do pop-up workshops, I kind of just park in a central area of the city and I, I open my doors and put up my signage and I say, Hey, uh, you want to learn about fermentation? Come into the bus. And I usually get a good amount of people, maybe like 20 people in, in five hours, which doesn't sound like a lot in the course of five hours, but you know, it's better than, than nothing. It just kind of serves as a recruitment station, which is really fun. Yeah, Missoula, I actually kind of got stuck in because of all of the wildfires. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, it was like super smoky. Um, Super, super smoky. So I had to wait that out a few days, but I connected with some really cool people, um, which was, yeah, just, just lovely. You know, a big part of what makes this trip as great as it is is the the awesome community that, that you find along the way. And, um, you know, that happens just through word of mouth or the internet, like the woman I met in Missoula, she'd been following my Instagram for a long time. And she said, Hey, come stay with me. And, uh, you know, she's a fermenter and met a lot of other cool fermenters through her. And yeah, it was, it was a good time. And Missoula is a really a really cool city. So it was a good place to get stuck while those fires were going on. But yeah, I'm in Seattle now and, uh, it's great. I walked to the beach my first day here and it was like really emotional, you know, after two years of not being home and I'm, I'm really excited for, for the new projects I'm going to be working on. And 
you know, connecting with, with old friends. And then also the abundance of events that await me. Uh, I'm going to be doing the organ fermentation festival in September, which is really exciting. And that's, that's in Savvy Island, Oregon, very close to Portland. You're doing the keynote there. Yeah, I am doing the keynote there. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that's put on by Fermenters Club of San Diego. So Austin Durant and and his crew. So that's gonna be that's gonna be fun. And um, yeah. Any any other things coming up uh in the next week or so that people should be aware of? Yeah, I have a workshop in Seattle on the tenth of September. That's my next event. Um, other than that, I'm kind of just hanging out, visiting fermentation companies. I visited Brit's Pickles on Whidbey Island uh, earlier this week. Next week, I'll be visiting Iggy's, uh, another fermentation company on Bainbridge Island. Uh, yeah, so, you know, just connecting with people, other fermenters, I think it's really important. I always tell people, you know, one of the most important things to remember in this fermentation world is we're we're all in this together, right? So very much so. Yeah. And it's a it's a it's a growing community. It's it's mm-hmm. and and you've definitely helped spread that around. Where should people go if they should they want to um follow what you're doing and they're not already doing so? They should go to fermentationonwheels.com and they can find me on Facebook too. Yeah, those are the two best places to, to follow my work. And if you're into images, definitely on Instagram. Instagram too, yeah. Um, well, great. Well, thanks for this this first um, episode where you're, you're hosting with and, and thanks for helping me get back into getting Firm Up going again. Yeah, I'm so glad. Thank you. And then if, if anyone, uh, I'll put some of the things that were mentioned today in show notes, uh, as well as links to Fermentation on Wheels and uh, Instagram and everywhere else for that. And if you'd like to follow Firm Up, you can find on Twitter or Facebook at Firm Up. Um, until next time. And that next time will not be six months next time. So until next time, Firm Up. <laughs> <laughs>